Hey, what's the buzz and tell me what's a happening? This is the Pyro Life Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 38. I am your host, Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter, that's all letters, at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. My Twitter account, mainly fantasy football focused. I toss in maybe 10% music, Game of Thrones references, Walking Dead talk, uh, but I constantly really use it as a cool tool uh, for fantasy football stuff, uh, stats that I uncover while doing research, links to stories, and other fantasy football-relevant news that's on Twitter, at PyromaniacMo. Today's music was one from my youth. Uh, the Replacements is the band. A song called Bastards of Young, off the album Tim. Now, this is one uh, I inherited from my older brother. He had all the replacement albums, and, you know, music is the gateway to the soul. I use it to sort of uh, connect with him, in a sense. When I was younger, I was 13. He was 10 years older than me. He died. He was um, a victim of violence. And I've seen what it does to my family, and I'm seeing violence now in the world, and it's just amazing the, the steady increase of violence that we have uh, knowing what it has done to me, um, I just think we got to think about what we're doing. Uh, as Martin Luther King once said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hatred will not drive out hatred. Only love can do that. Violence begets violence. So uh, I just hope we work to understand one another, uh, not drive wedges between us, but knock down the walls. Uh, we fear what we don't know, so let's know one another uh, and not create violence, but create love and understanding and have a conversation. That's my spiel for the day. Now, getting back into what you are here for, the fantasy football goo. Uh, I want to tell you guys about uh, a bit of a gem on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash FF Podcast Network. It's a group that started on Twitter. Uh, it's a bunch of independent podcasters. We help one another out in the way of promotion, oftentimes collaboration. So you can check out facebook.com forward slash FF Podcast Network, and you can see a wealth of cool fantasy football podcasts. In fact, uh, stay tuned. The Pyro Light very soon is going to be releasing a sample of many of those very same FF Podcast Network shows. Now, we got together. There was about eight or nine of us. Uh, we submitted five minutes each. So each show submitted a five-minute segment where we kind of introduced each show, and then we talk breakout candidates. Um, we are currently working to mix those together and then turn it into one entire podcast that each show is going to release simultaneously. So that way, you pyromaniacs, one, you can hear great fantasy football advice about this year's breakout candidates, and two, you're going to be able to find some cool new fantasy football podcasts, and uh, that episode will be coming soon, so stay tuned to the PyroLite Fantasy Football Podcast for that. Now, in fact, today's guest for my fantasy football talk is one of the members of the FF Podcast Network. It's the Duke and the Boy. They are from the Duke and Boy Show. Uh, we've got a great fantasy discussion for you today, talking mid-round running backs. Now, if you are a cat that does the opposite, as Paul Chargian would say, uh, very often referred to as zero RB, we're going to cover the RBs that you are going to want to take. That's uh, rounds four through ten. Now, to me, you've got all these folks that are talking Antonio Brown, uh, but yet, what are you going to say? Antonio Brown's great. Really? Okay. 
Thank you. Uh, and yet, we focus so much of the airwaves on these wide receivers and these top guys that you're only going to have one crack on. Why not focus on the guys that you're going to be able to get? And you're going to have several cracks on it. You know, you got a round seven guy. You're going to see him a couple times on your board be available. You're going to think about it and want to pull the trigger. That's what today's episode is for. So stay tuned for the mid-round running back talk. It's getting to be that time of year. If you are setting up a new league, go to leaguesave.com forward slash pyro. That's P-Y-R-O. Not only will the boys over at LeagueSafe take care of the payment collection and payout at the end of the year, they're going to give you 10 bucks for signing up with that pyro promo. Again, leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro. I'm going to give you all the details, but basically you get a $10 credit in your league balance as long as you meet one of two criteria. So you have $250 in your league balance and you have at least five unique paying members. That's it. So we all are going to play. We all are going to do this, but now you don't have to worry about the collection. Let LeagueSafe handle it. And if you use the promo code pyro, you get 10 bucks just for doing it. leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro. Just wanted to remind folks as well, all the cool stuff we got going on over at pyromaniac.com. You can sign up to be a Pyro Pro member. Now, it's not just in-season. Of course, in-season, you get the weekly rankings, you get the write-ups, but you're also getting news feeds right now. We're cranking out news feeds, all the stuff you need to know. You can ask us direct questions. We are constantly updating our resource toolbox, all kinds of great metrics and analytics for you to check out. And then the really cool thing is you can follow up to 100 players. So you put in your players, and then any time something relevant comes out about that player, the rankings, the write-ups, news feed, anything, it gets sent to you. So basically, we are tracking players that you tell us to track. 100 players, we can do it across all your leagues, all you degenerates out there. So let Pyro Pro deal with all the noise. We're going to filter it all out and we're going to give you all the relevant info. Information at pyromaniac.com. The other thing we got going on over there is our draft kit. Over 20 tabs of mass destruction. I'm talking sleepers and busts, power rankings, return on investment. You get snap counts, team tendencies. I mean, it is over the top. It is amazing. It's not just a tool you can use for your drafting, but you can use it all season long. The strength of schedule itself is amazing. It's only $20. Information at pyromaniac.com. Of course, we're working on version 5 right now, but don't wait. As soon as you buy, every time we release a new version, which is about once a month, you get sent right to you, and you can see all the changes. You can see how ADP for us is rising and falling. Guys that we're ranking, how they rise and they fall. Uh, don't miss out. Pyromaniac.com. You get the info on Pyro Pro and our draft kit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, fantasy addicts of all ages. Get back, Jack. Crack open a Valverde. Get a pen and paper and your popcorn ready, because today we're talking mid-rounders, mid-round running backs. We bring up... Ryan Matthews, C.J. Anderson, Duke Johnson, Jonathan Stewart, Melvin Gordon, Rashard Jennings, and so many more. We're going to cover about 15 to 16 running backs. Again, these are the mid-rounders. So again, we're, we're not talking how great Antonio Brown is. We know that. But you're going to be able to really get some good info on guys that you're going to want to know about. We all know drafts are not won in the first couple rounds. A lot of times it's those mid to late round guys that are really going to put you over the top once the playoffs come. That's what today's focus is on. All those running backs that you're going to have a couple cracks at getting, how do you pick between them? Well, we're going to give you the insight. The Duke and the boy are going to pick 
uh, a running back from each round. I do the same. We talk about them and say why we like them. Today is a great episode that really dives in deep. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast episode 38 with the Duke and the Boy. All right, Pyromaniacs, thank you for staying with us. Now, as promised, I'm sitting down for another fantasy football talk. Today on the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, it is my pleasure to welcome Duke and Boy. You can follow him on Twitter, just as it sounds, at Duke and Boy. That's D-U-K-E-A-N-D-B-O-Y. Now, they are contributors to uh, FakePigskin.com. They run DukeAndBoy.com. And, of course, they are the voices behind the Duke and Boy Fantasy Football Show. As I said at the top, this is one of the many shows now available on Facebook forward slash FF Podcast Network. The Duke and the Boy, how are you, gentlemen? Doing fantastic. I'd like to point out I am the boy. I'm the one that's going to be saying smart things, and he is the Duke. I am the Duke. I don't know what I'm going to be saying, but I hope it'll be smart enough. All right. I like it, and uh, I always need smart things said during my day because Lord knows I cover the other end of the spectrum often enough. We do the same. All right. Now, gentlemen, for the pyromaniacs who uh, may not be familiar with you guys out there, tell us a little bit about yourselves and where they can find you. Well, basically, uh, like most said, you can follow us at Duke and Boy. Uh, Dukeandboy.com is our little our little baby. Uh We've been around for a couple of years, but uh, we're finally really kind of sticking our feet in the sand and, uh, you know, trying to keep our show going. Uh, as we've mentioned on our show, uh, Duke has a child that kind of <laughs> makes things interesting. But uh, DukeAndBoy.com is where you can find us. Uh, we like to have a show just about every week. Uh, now we're getting into the fantasy football season, so that's get- that's one thing, Mo. We're not very dependable. <laughs> I mean, we 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 do a show about once a week, um, and sometimes every once every two weeks, and then you might get lucky and get one every or every three weeks, you know. But there will always be a show there, whether or not you heard it three or four times. But there will be one there. I like it. You uh, keep the people clamoring for more. Exactly, keep them wanting more. Definitely. That's absolutely right. Now, guys, a question I often ask my guests on the pyromaniac light fantasy football talk is uh, i'm trying to pull back the curtain as it were and i i want to know what website they use or even a statistic that you use either during the season or off the season something that's off the beaten path per se that can help uh, a regular joe out there uh, improve their fantasy football take and, and hopefully rise to glory well, I know the one that probably me and the boy use most often. Um, I don't think it's a secret to anybody that's in the fantasy football world is RotoWorld.com. I mean, obviously, a, a, a blurb from Evan Silva and, and crew over there can can change a guy's trajectory in his career as far as fantasy and dynasty goes uh, in a matter of minutes. But I know that's a staple of ours. Um, we do go to FakePigskin.com. They got a bunch of great content over there. If you're into dynasty football, DLF, we're big fans of as well. RotoViz is another big one that we use as well. Uh, these are more involved, more metric type uh, websites. Um, but I mean, it, we're really kind of all over the place. The best place to go for us is really just conversing with people on Twitter and finding out what everybody thinks about different players, different situations. Yeah. And another thing as well, especially leading up in, into your drafts, uh, fantasy football calculator where you could see uh, players average draft position is obviously a huge tool because, uh, you know, just because you're high on somebody doesn't mean everybody else is. And that's how you end up getting, you know, steals in your draft. You draft somebody, you know, a little later than you think they should go. And uh, 
So fantasy football calculator, definitely a place that I check out often as well. All those things you said, I, I use. Just had Evan Silva on as a guest. Uh, Roto World is, is fantastic, uh, especially headlines. You know, wanting to know who's injured, what the status of players are. So the fantastic recommendations. Isn't you it, isn't, it, isn't it crazy, Mo? How like you know you can read a blurb about one guy one day, and a different news story comes out, and Roto World covers it. And literally, as far as dynasty goes, you can get trade offers going through all of a sudden. People are fading guys. People are high on guys. It's uh, I've never seen a website where the smallest little print uh, can change a guy's value so much from week to week. It's crazy. Yeah, and they are just on top of it. I mean, as soon as something happens, and I think it's because it's the go-to source for so many people, yeah. uh, but as soon as something happens, everybody's in the know, and uh, they're very reputable. So uh, one thing I will say that I love their app. Their app, they used to be able to, you could click a button, and you could actually find the original source, which I really liked. Right. Yes. Now, if you tweet out a link, it will include uh, a link to the source, but you yourself can't get it on the app. So, uh, Evan Silva, sir, if you're listening, uh, thank you for being on my show, but bring back the link. I like that. We're all asking for it. Let's get it back. Absolutely. We're, we're going to uh, like, for it. That's fine. like the Brexit. I don't know if we're going to get to uh, <laughs> uh, four million to uh, go back on the Brexit vote, but uh, we got three right here. Three names. That's so right. you got to start somewhere. All right, guys. This is what we're doing. Now, every time I turn around and I'm subscribing to this philosophy, uh, whether you call it Paul Chargians do the opposite, uh, you got the zero RB, well, whatever you want to call it, wide receiver early and often. Everybody talks about what wide receivers to grab. And to me, you're going to get you know one crack at an Antonio Brown. But yet we spend so much time talking about those really top end wide receivers. So today we're going to be talking about the running backs that you're going to be focused on if you subscribe to the do the opposite or the zero RB strategy. So we're basically looking at fourth round through 10th round running backs. Now I sent out the link uh, to Duke and the boy earlier. We're using fantasy football calculator. Uh, we're using 12 man PPR, full point PPR. So here's what we've got available in round four. There are Thomas Rawls, uh, Dion Lewis, CJ Anderson, Carlos Hyde, Latavius Murray, and Jeremy Langford. Now, I'm just going to preface this first one. Not much ADP change in the last month with these players. Thomas Rawls and Langford, they've fallen a little bit, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and get the ball rolling, and then I'm going to kick it to you guys. I'm interested to, to hear what you have to say. But again, Thomas Rawls, we're talking fourth round. Thomas Rawls, Deion Lewis, C.J. Anderson, Carlos Hyde, Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray, and Langford. My guy, and I had a real hard time with this one. By the time drafts come around, I could very well change, and I, I like a couple. But I wanted to highlight Deion Lewis because I don't hear him talked about too often. Uh, played in only seven games last year. Got hurt in his seventh game, so really... He started and played, finished in six. The man had 100 all-purpose yards or a touchdown in five of those six. Through the first seven weeks, he was the 13th best PPR player, and that includes the bye week. So if the man can improve his hands a little bit, he had some problems with the drops and the fumbles, I think we could be on to something. He could represent fantastic return on investment. Um, 11th in points per snap last season. We've seen guys in the Belichick doghouse, and that didn't really seem to happen to Deion Lewis. Watching his play, both running the ball and catching it, 
he has what it takes. Uh, they did not go out and draft a big-name RB. I think that bodes well for him. And with the Wild Bill, he, he has those two approaches. But if they're playing a weak run defense, he's going to run the ball. And if they're playing a strong run defense, he's going to pass the ball. And I think that's where Deion Lewis is going to really benefit. Um, last season, he was RB1 in PPR leagues 43% of his games. He was in 71% of his games. He was at least in RB2. He's my guy. Uh, I got a couple other ones I, I really like there, but who's your guy in the fourth round? Which running back would you take? Well, I, I know you mentioned Deion Lewis, and, and I'm with you, Mo. I mean, I'm, I'm a Deion Lewis truther through and, through and through, but uh, I'm a Patriot fan, so I'm well aware of how running backs have done in the past on this offense. I think the Patriots view him as Kevin Falk. I mean, you can tell by after week two, week three, I believe they signed him to a two-year extension so they were very excited about him. They like what they saw in training camp. They like what they saw already. It was a shame he got hurt. Yeah. But again, in New England, you don't know if you can depend on him week to week because like you said, the game script changes every week. If they're playing a different opponent, he just won't yep. be involved and you're going to be screwed. So uh, I love Deion Lewis, but as anything more than an RB2, I think you're playing with fire. Well, let me just step in here. I, the guy who I'm looking at when I look at that list that jumps out right away is C.J. Anderson. Now, yeah. C.J. Anderson is a guy who obviously disappointed tons of owners last year, me included, who yep. drafted him at the end of the first last year. Me too. Now you see him coming in at the fourth round. Granted, last year was not a good year for C.J. Anderson. Everyone's aware of that. However, and it, I know it's crazy to say, and me and Duke talk about it on our show this week as well, Peyton Manning last year was awful. Absolutely awful. May have been the worst quarterback in the league when he was starting for the Broncos. So first of all, you got C.J. Anderson dealing with that. Okay, then he's got Brock Osweiler coming in, an unproven commodity. He did not have a great situation last year. I think the Broncos showed you all they need to show when they match Miami's offer this offseason for C.J. Anderson. I think they're going to be more of that run-heavy approach that we expected last year. I think C.J. Anderson is a great value in the fourth round. In fact, I was kind of shocked when I saw he was falling that far. Duke, I don't know how you feel about it. Well, I, I, like everybody else, in the beginning of last year, C.J. Anderson was a big name. He was a first-round pick almost across the board. So, I mean, looking at it now, uh, the only thing that bothers me is the fact that they didn't want to pay him up front. Miami kind of forced their hand by signing him to an offer sheet, and I think that they were scrambling when they lost Brock Osweiler. They had to get something back on offense. I do like C.J. Anderson. The question is this, can Mark Sanchez move the offense enough for him to be relevant in fantasy? And, and again, I think RB2 is probably where he's at, but I definitely think he's got an RB1 ceiling. I agree. And now here's my question. I got two for you, actually. We've seen him have phenomenal second halves of the, the season, the, the Charles Dickens, uh, a tale of two seasons, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, past two years, and now just this last year, uh, in the second half, he was fourth best PPR and standard. Uh, only two running backs in the second half of the season had more touchdowns in the last eight games, Hill and Peterson. Uh, he did phenomenal. Does that give you hesitation that we've only, he hasn't been able to string it together for a full season, or do you say, hey, injuries happen, he was banged up in the first half, and as long as health can, can remain, he's going to be okay? Does that give you pause? We've only seen him really do it for eight games here and there. Well, uh, sure, obviously you'd like to see a, a more consistent running back, but Mo, as you know, every running back, I'm talking from top to bottom, 
has some sort of question coming into this season, yeah. whether it's Le'Veon Bell coming off an injury, Jamal Charles coming off an injury, uh, Adrian Peterson's age, Zeke Elliott's you know rookie season, Todd Gurley moving to Los Angeles with a rookie quarterback, perhaps. I mean, everybody has these questions. It it's just when you're in the fourth round, okay, you need to take the guy who you think has the highest ceiling. And for me, that guy, C.J. Anderson. Now, can he disappoint? Sure, he's done it before. He did it last year. However, I just think the situation is so much better this year than it was last year. I mean, look, Mark Sanchez is not blowing anybody away, but by all means, he was a quarterback that took the Jets to two AFC Championship games with a running attack. Now, if the Broncos use C.J. Anderson how he should be, you know, this is a guy who last year had seven games where he had under 10 carries. I mean, that's not utilizing your number one back. If they utilize him the way he should be, I see a bounce back year for C.J. Anderson. I see low-end RB1 coming out of C.J. Anderson this year. For any C.J. Anderson owner, you're pulling your hair out when you're seeing Hillman continually get the ball as much as he did. And in that little stretch where he was just lighting it on fire the second half of the season, he had the third most yards despite 11 other running backs having more attempts. So I'm hoping they wake up and realize what they have and they use him like they should because Lord knows Hillman cannibalized him a little bit. He's still there. Of course, they drafted Devontae Booker. A lot of scouts really like him, um, but I'm with you. C.J. Anderson is is a great pick. I'm torn between him, Dion, and also let me bring up one other name. What do you think about Latavius Murray? Everyone's talking about this offensive line out there. Uh, It could be some improved uh, game scripts, positive game scripts, as this team is improving. Uh, What do you think about Latavius? Well, Latavius is interesting because in the offseason, all the talk was uh, the Raiders aren't aren't happy with Latavius Murray. They're going to bring somebody in that could help out. And what happens is they don't really bring anybody in to compete with them. He's still the guy there. Now, Duke, I know you're big on Latavius. What are your thoughts on him? I love Latavius, but after going back to last year, all right, the sky was the limit for Latavius because he was finally going to get the workload. He was finally going to be the guy. He didn't have an awful season, but fact of the matter is week to week, he disappointed a lot of people. So now we fast forward to this year. They drafted Washington. Washington's not a big guy. I don't, I'm not threatened by him, but you can tell that they don't trust him like normal bell cow running backs are trusted. Everyone keeps saying about the Oakland offensive line and how it's improved and how it might be a top five in the league now, and that's great. But are we just so high on Latavius Murray off of, what was it, four or five carries against Kansas City two, three years ago? I mean, that was an incredible game, but have we seen anything since? Uh, I know I haven't, and I want to see that from him, but it just hasn't come ha- come to happen yet. Yeah, I saw today PFF put out a thing uh, rating offensive lines, and they actually uh, ranked Oakland second. They ranked, of course, Dallas first. But actually, if you add it up on paper, according to PFF's own rankings, if you add up all five starters, Oakland on paper has a better ranking. Uh, So regardless, we're we're probably drawing hairs here or splitting hairs, but I think that's going to surprise a lot of people, and I think it could bode well. Lots of gold there in in the fourth round. Absolutely. And like you said, if you're going with the zero RB approach, you know, those are some pretty good names that you're going to have sitting there in the fourth round. Absolutely. It's it's one reason I'm no problem uh, waiting on my running back. Uh, I've done it often. And to tell you the truth, I've had more shares in MFL 10s of 
uh, C.J. Anderson than I have of any of these other two guys, but I, I like all of them. I like everybody we've been talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. I'm in agreement with you there. All right, Pyromaniacs, you're listening to the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. I, of course, am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter, all letters, Pyromaniac Mo. And I'm joined today by the hosts of Duke and Boy Fantasy Podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Duke and Boy. Now, we're going to pause for a bit of a commercial, but I got some trivia for you gentlemen, and I, I don't want to get you all a Twitter. I don't want you to get, get you discombobulated over there. But gentlemen, if you win, if you get all these trivia questions right, you could be going in February to beautiful Duluth. Here's the trivia question for you, gentlemen. According to Pro Football Focus, there were 26 tight ends last season that had over 50 targets. Who was the only one on that list that did not score a touchdown. Now, I want you guys to think about it as we pause. I'm going to remind the listeners as we come back from commercial. But once again, according to Pro Football Focus, there were 26 tight ends last season that had over 50 targets a game. Only one of them failed to score a touchdown. We'll be back with Duke and Boy and the answer right after this. Welcome back, Pyromaniacs. Remember, guys, head on over to pyromaniac.com. We got our draft draft kit on sale for just over 20 tabs for 20 bones. You get all kinds of stuff. Sleepers, busts, touchdown touchdown dependency, team tendencies, and so much more. Remember, there's no reason to wait. You purchase the draft kit now. You get every new version sent to you automatically on release. Info at pyromaniac.com. Once again, guys, getting back into this talk, I'm joined by Duke and Boy, and we're going to see if they've got the answer to today's first trivia. According to Pro Football Focus, 26 tight ends were targeted 50 times. Only one of them did not score a touchdown. Duke, Boy, you got an answer for me. Well, I, I just... I know a tight end that didn't score any touchdowns, and I don't know if he reached the 50-target plateau, but I know Jared Cook for the Rams did not score last year. Am I close? You, sir could still be in the running to get to beautiful Duluth, Minnesota. It is indeed Jared Cook, 69 targets, nary a touchdown, also had a positional high 10 drops. Interesting. Jared Cook, Jared <laughs> Cook. You get just uh, we're talking running backs, but uh, any interest in Jared Cook moving uh to moving to Green Bay? To be honest with you, yeah, I I I like it. Uh you know, I, in my opinion, he's playing with the best quarterback in football. And yeah. if he uses him as a red zone target, I know he's coming off an injury right now, but uh, absolutely a big target. And uh, <laughs> my, my, well, Richard Rodgers is still there. I mean, sure. he's not going to go away. And he was he was useful last year. You know, I love Jerry Cook. I'd like to see him be productive, but he's let us down so many times in the past. It's tough to get on board. Well, I would certainly put his over under on touchdowns above zero. So, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's yeah. a safe bet. We got another guy. We're going to talk about that. That uh, I would put that same over under on. Uh, but I, you know, Richard Rodgers, he, he's kind of just a guy. And I think Jared Cook, he's got off the charts measurables. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm kind of liking him. You know, I think I've got him ranked. I don't know, twentieth. 21st, something like that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch, at least. I don't know if he's going to end up on any of my teams. Absolutely. Like I said, he's playing with the best quarterback in the league. There's definitely an opportunity there. Yeah. Now, moving on to what we are discussing today, and that's mid-round running backs. These are guys you should be paying attention to if you're doing the zero RB strategy. So let's talk running backs. We just hit round four. Uh, I'm going to let you guys lead it off here, but let's talk round five. Again, I'm using uh, Fantasy Football Calculator 
12 teams, PPR, round five. Here's the running backs. DeMarco Murray, Danny Woodhead, Matt Jones, Jay Ajayi, Ryan Matthews, and Duke Johnson is squeaking in there at the 12th pick. Once again, DeMarco Murray, Woodhead, Matt Jones, Jay Ajayi, Ryan Matthews, Duke Johnson. Gentlemen, which back would you tend to draft on the fifth round? Well, this is the one round where me and Duke were definitely split. Uh, my guy for what it's worth, is Ryan Matthews. You know, I was looking yesterday. I believe he's the uh, 25th running back off of boards, which to me is kind of crazy. I mean, you had DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews in Philly last year. Matthews outplayed Murray, you know, ran for five yards a carry. He does have an injury history. I get that. But he's going to be the guy in Philadelphia. And I think the fact that he's not even in the RB2 discussion right now is insane well one of the negatives for me on Matthews is that I mean even just as recently as this week Doug Peterson comes out and he says you know we want to use a backfield by committee we want to use Darren Sproles we want to use Wendell Smallwood I mean these are all players that they want to be involved in the offense we've all been waiting for Ryan Matthews to be the guy the fact of the matter is he's let us down so many times I like Ryan Matthews as a as a mid-range RB3 but making him the focal point of my team is an RB2 it scares the hell out of me. My my, my guy uh, is DeMarco Murray. Now, and if you want to talk about being scared of hell, you watched DeMarco Murray play last year, you will be scared as hell of DeMarco Murray. But um, I think a change of scenery has got to help him. He's on a team with a, a better quarterback, better offensive line, uh, more opportunities in the run game. Even though they drafted Derrick Henry, I think he's going to be the guy. I don't think you pay him $6 million to not be the bell cow of this offense. I like a bounce back from DeMarco Murray, and you can't beat his focal point right now. Or his, his price point is at, in the fifth round. I mean, for a potential low-end RB1, I'll take that every day of the week. Wow. Uh, interesting here, because I'm going with uh, Ryan Matthews as well. Oh, that's, that's, that's the correct here, answer, Mo. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to leave, guys, all right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go. You guys have a chit-chat. Hey, buddy, don't, re- don't forget, you can be relaxing in next February in Duluth if you just hang out. <laughs> so if, if that doesn't entice you, I don't know what will. But... It's interesting. We got two guys from the same team last year, and that's one thing that I think kind of wins the argument, for me at least, with Ryan Matthews. As you said, average five yards, 5.1 yards a carry. Uh, running behind the same line that DeMarco Murray and Darren Sproles could not even get to four yards a carry. Um, the Smallwood doesn't really bother me. In fact, I heard from an NFL scout, and they're really talking uh, word around camp was Barner. Kenyon Barner is uh, turning a few Yeah, heads. I think we heard that last year as well, didn't we, when uh, we were talking about training camp and Barner's going to be involved in the Chip Kelly offense and all that stuff. True, and but again, Chip Kelly, they, they sold almost all of those Chip Kelly add-ons except Barner, so they got to like them. Um, it's just interesting. We all picked ex-Philly guys. Now, uh, what do you think is going to happen in this exotic smash mouth that DeMarco Murray is running in? First, what the hell is it? And and second, is this really going to, are they really going to be able to run as much as they hope to? I doubt it. And and you're, and you're talking to a guy who, who likes DeMarco Murray this year. Now, I don't like DeMarco Murray in Dynasty. I think he's a, he's a desperate sell right now in Dynasty only because you got maybe about a year of, of solid production with him and then he's off the cliff and Derrick Henry will come in. But I'm sure they want to run the ball. The fact of the matter is their defense is no good. Their offense probably won't be able to keep up with most teams. I, I like Mariota for that reason alone this year is because they're going to have to throw it. They can run all they want, but 
after about halftime, they're going to have to start slinging it again. But all that being said, there's very few bell cow running backs in the NFL these days that you can count on week to week. I do believe DeMarco Murray will be that in the fifth round. All right. My, my last little note, I'm just going to say for, for Ryan Matthews in uh, fantasy points per snap, which I think is a great metric to find breakout players on a points per snap basis. Ryan Matthews led all NFL running backs. He's really efficient, number fire. He has a great success rate. It's another metric number fire uses. So a lot of cool things, cool metrics analytics pointing towards ryan matthews uh going to be interesting there and, and i'm really interested in both offenses to see what we have with the titans and with well, the well let me just say here when i have the chance that the only thing i don't like about ryan matthews right now is the fact that i'm talking about him and you're talking about him and other people are hearing about him because i think in the fifth round he's a steal right now so i absolutely love ryan matthews i've been telling duke this for the past couple of weeks Ryan Matthews is going to have an excellent season, and I just don't want other people to know that. I'm with you. I kind of think the cat's out of the bag. My wife can attest to this. I'm a podcast junkie, and I've heard his name <laughs> across several other pods going out there. And you know, fifth round, if, if this guy does misses a few games, that's all right with me. I'm running back in the fifth round, I kind of expect him to miss a few games. I just think he's so efficient with the ball and being able to get over five yards of carry with that line last year is phenomenal. And we've all seen him do it before. It's just the big, you know, health Absolutely. question. Round six. Again, we're talking mid round running backs. If you're going wide receiver early and often, these are some choices that you're going to have and you're going to see these running backs. You're going to have a couple cracks at them. Uh, that's why I really like diving into these guys. So round six, we're talking Giovanni Bernard, Jonathan Stewart, Jeremy Hill, and a Motown man, Amir Abdullah. Now, for me, uh, with these guys, I'm liking a Duke Johnson. Uh, biggest thing here is opportunity. We've heard from the coaching staff. They think he can be an all, all-purpose back. Uh, Crowell's in the doghouse. Just did some horrible pictures on social so media. Stupid. Unbelievable what he did. Yeah, terrible. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can get the story. Uh, but basically posted some very unsavory pictures of a uh, police being stabbed in the neck. Um, the, the police chief, he actually apologized to, he, he took down the, the picture almost immediately. That is Crowell. He apologized to the police chief, but the Browns even came out and said he needs to do more than that. So he's certainly in the doghouse. Another reason I like Duke, uh, there's a couple teams out there that, you know, are going to face negative game scripts. San Francisco's one. I certainly think Cleveland is going to be looking to pass. Last season, they had three wins. Duke Johnson almost doubled his receptions in losses as opposed to wins. So they're going to need to throw. They're going to be coming from behind. And that's where Duke Johnson is going to make his hay. Plus, they're talking about getting him involved more. Now, once again, six-round running backs. We're talking from top to bottom, and it kind of moves, but uh, Duke Johnson, of course, I'm looking at him now. He's moved up to the fifth. Uh, when I looked originally, he was in the sixth. He, Duke Johnson, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess I am. I guess I am. Uh, when I originally looked, uh, he, he was in the sixth, but uh, now I see he's at 512. So anyway, Duke Johnson, Giovanni Bernard, uh, Jonathan Stewart, Jeremy Hill, and Amir Abdullah. Who do you guys like? Uh, six-round running I'm back. going with the least sexy name out of anybody here, and it's Jonathan Stewart. The one thing I will point out, I think people don't realize how good of a season he had last year, and more so than that, just how involved he was last year. 
he got hurt towards the end of the year, but there was an eight-game stretch where he had yeah. eight straight games with at least 20 carries. Now, he's not a guy who's really involved in the passing game. Obviously, Cam Newton running the ball in really kills you. But if you're looking for a guy who's going to get the ball, and when you're talking about you know the sixth round here, it, it's few and far between. Jonathan Stewart's a guy who got the ball, and he also looked impressive, at least in their first two playoff games last year, not so much in the Super Bowl, but definitely a guy who uh, I think is the number one back in on a good offensive team in Carolina, obviously, and he's going to get the carries. I have to agree with, with Jonathan Stewart. The only thing that bothers me, the touchdowns weren't there last year, and he was on probably arguably one of the best offenses in football last year. Uh, six touchdowns is not going to cut it for an RB1 or even a, a mid-range RB2. He's worthless in the passing game. In PPR, he's garbage. 16 catches over the final, his last eight games, I believe, that span of time you said he had 20 carries. He was involved on the ground, but only 4.1 yard per carry. I mean, again, as a workhorse running back, you have to love him and you have to appreciate where he is as far as his ADP is concerned. But I think he definitely has a low ceiling, but he does have a high floor as well. I love the Stewart call. You're not going to get any oohs and ahs uh, if you're in a draft room. Not a real sexy guy, but uh, he had that stretch there. Weeks 6 through 14, there was no other back, uh, regardless of PPR or standard, no other back that had more fantasy points in weeks 6 through 14. And talk about game script. I said Cleveland, they're going to face negative game script, so you got to like passing guys like a Duke Johnson. Carolina, baby. They're going to be positive game script all day long. Uh, no other team had more rushing attempts than the Panthers last year. You know that's going to continue. And in the red zone, I would expect positive regression there because they're giving it to him. I mean, even though they've got Cam and Fozzie, Stewart still accounted for 47% of the team's red zone attempts. Uh, no other running back had more red zone attempts than Jonathan Stewart. Um, so I really like that call. And if you're looking to handcuff him, boy, Cameron Artis Payne, 14th round. That's not a bad bargain. That's not a bad price to pay to get a chunk of that offense. You're right. I agree with that completely. All right, round seven. Uh, looking at round seven. Now, again, this changes, so I got to kind of do some math here on the fly. Um, but again, fantasy football calculator. I believe this is still the same, but Frank Gore, Melvin Gordon, Justin Forsett, and... Chris Ivory. Now, I'm going to go with a Frank Gore. Um, uh, biggest thing there for me is no real competition. I know there's been some talk in camp, but uh, they did not draft a running back. Instead, they took four offensive linemen. They took two of their first three picks was an offensive lineman. They took big old Ryan Kelly. Uh, he was the first center taken. I think that bodes well. In fact, usually if you look, there's a correlation between uh, top running offenses and, and top centers. I looked at PFF. Um, according to PFF, the top 12 rushing offenses, 50% had top 12 centers. So I think uh, getting that missing piece of the puzzle, boosting that offensive line is going to hurt. You know, uh, defenses can't stack the box. Another year of familiarity. And I think he's kind of got a chip on his shoulders that he didn't get to 1,000 yards. First time since he was a rookie that he played 14 games and did not get 1,000 yards. Now, who are you guys liking? Again, we're talking Frank Gore. He was my guy. He's going early seventh. There's also Melvin Gordon, Justin Forsett, Chris Ivory. Which running back are you liking in the seventh? Well, I, I think me and Duke are split here a little bit as well. Uh, 
it it pains me to say it, but I guess Melvin Gordon, uh, I <laughs> he cannot be as bad as he was last year. Now, and just looking at his stats real quick, I mean, this is a guy who was given opportunity. I mean, he had 184 attempts last year. He caught 33 balls, and he entered the end zone exactly zero times, which is just incredible. But Positive TV, TD regression, though, exactly. right? Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I just think that uh, Melvin Gordon, he's going to have an opportunity. They're going to give him the ball. I know Woodhead's there and all that, but this is a guy that had high hopes last year, first-round pick. Uh, I don't see this as like a Trent Richardson thing where, you know, they're just giving up on him. I think Melvin Gordon needs to have a bounce back year, and I think he has it. I know Duke is not so much on board with that. I'm a little, I'm just a little wary of it. I mean, like you said, 3.5 yards per carry last year. Now, if you want to put the silver lining on that, that was LT's rookie year. He averaged 3.5 yards per carry. I'm not saying he's LT. Wait, you just did. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to hang your hat on that, there's something. But, I mean, no TDs. Danny Woodhead's there. The guy just had microfracture surgery in January. Yeah. I mean, from what I've been reading about microfracture surgery, even the best players, when they return back to full health, they're at 80% of what they were. And you're at 80% of what he was last year is a mediocre, mediocre RB3. I'd like to see Melvin Gordon turn it on and turn it around. I don't trust his knee. I don't, frankly, I don't trust the team to give him enough carries that we can rely on him. And we all know that Wisconsin has problems with running backs in the NFL. So I, I know the boy is very high on Melvin Gordon. I well, don't know where I, you stand. I would on. not say very high. We are talking about the seventh round. Well, you're high enough to to pick him out of the lineup here. Sure. But the point being is that this guy is is scary at best. Uh, my guy on this list that I'm I'm and Mo, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't have much information to back this up this is a complete gut call i like chris ivory in jacksonville i think he's going to be the guy in jacksonville i think tj yeldon is going to be more the passing downs back the jaguars just paid chris ivory over 30 million dollars for multiple year contract he's 28 years old you don't pay him big money like that unless you want a guy that's proficient on the goal line and he's going to get the majority of touches at the first and second down I think Chris Ivory is going to be the guy. Again, another DeMarco Murray situation just for year one. Not really a dynasty league asset at all. Um, but you can do a lot worse than Chris Ivory is your low-end RB2. Hey, Duke, you, you said it. I think with Ivory, and I just were uh, prepping for our draft kit version 5, uh, moving my tiers around. I've got Ivory. I just moved him ahead of uh, Yeldon. And one of my main reasons was, like you said, they are paying him. Yeah like they are going to use them. And usually there's strong correlation there between how much a guy is getting paid and the usage he's going to get. You don't give a guy that much money and not use him. And, you know, it seemed to me, even though I don't have anything against Yeldon, he always seemed to fall forward to me. He always seemed to get uh, positive yards, but they did not use him in the red yeah, zone. Yeah, I, I, I remember they, multiple times they pulled him and put Denard Robinson in, who's got to have, 20, yeah. 30 less pounds on him than Yeldon does. And they just trusted him more on the goal line, which was a shocking thing because you think TJ Yeldon was the guy last year and he didn't have a bad year. They just, his, the distrust showed every game and it speaks volumes, the amount of money they just gave Chris Ivory this year too. So I'd like Chris Ivory as a, a great, great bargain. Well, let me just point out something about Ivory as well. And I know, uh, me and Duke talked about this on our show as well, but, uh, being in the New York area, watching Ivory every week, there is something about him where when he gets going, it is 
very, very tough for the Jaguars, if I'm in their shoes, to just take him out of a game. It's Marshawn Lynch-esque. Like, he gets better as the game goes on. Absolutely. Paul Chargian calls him beasties. Yeah, right. and, and, and that's, uh, that's absolutely perfect because once he gets going, like I said, I can't see them taking him out you know, at the end of the third quarter to put back in TJ right. Yeldon. I just think that Chris Ivory may be better than what even the Jaguars thought they were getting. Right, and we talked about that they pulled uh, TJ Yeldon for a, a Denard, a shoelace, uh, once they got down near the red zone. Nobody had more five-yard rushing attempts than Chris Ivory. So not only are they paying him like a big-time back that they're going to use, he was the he's the guy to use when you get down in the end zone. And I love that for Ivory. I think uh, he's going to really surprise some owners. I think he's going to outperform his ADP. Hey, can I take back my Melvin Gordon? <laughs> can I just... No, yeah. no, you're stuck with it. So, stuck with it. All right, we'll see. So... So with Melvin Gordon, I'm a little – I'm sitting on the fence here. I really love a Woodhead. Still like Woodhead. Looking back to 2013 when Wisenhunt was there, who's, of course, taken over uh, play-calling duties there. When he was there, Danny, Gore, uh, Danny Woodhead led all running backs with receptions inside the red zone. But I don't think that means anything bad for Gordon. I mean, the Chargers had the six most rush attempts per game. They were fifth in total yards under Wisenhunt. So I think that bodes well for Gordon. It just so happens I would take an ivory over him, I believe. Yeah, I think I would, too, uh, now that I'm looking at it. But, hey, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'll, I'll say Gordon and just hope ivory doesn't do well. <laughs> That's all right, baby. That's why we played this degenerative game exactly. that we all exactly. love. All right, gang, before we continue this fantasy football talk, just want to encourage you listening right now. Usher in some good karma into your life. Leave us a review. That's the Pyromaniac Podcasts. Of course, I'm Pyromaniac Mo, running the light. Uh, if you sign up and subscribe to Pyromaniac, you can get one of two podcasts. That's the light. And then, of course, you get the fantasy football fire, lovingly called the heavy. Go ahead and subscribe. Give us a review. Get some good karma for you. Now, ahead, we've got a commercial break. But, gentlemen, I got one of the more difficult trivia questions for you tonight. So uh, put on your Einstein caps, eat some carrots or some good brain food here. But uh, here's a trivia question I want you to think about. No pressure. Talking a trip to Duluth, though. In 2015, there were a total of 10 wide receivers that caught at least 70% of their passes thrown their way. Now we're talking about a guys with a minimum 50 targets. So they were used pretty regularly and had good hands. Caught 70% of their passes. Plus... They had an average depth of target of at least 10 yards. So once again, decent volume, good hands with a 70% catch rate, and there were deeper threats. They were targeted at least 10 yards down the field. Now of those 10 wide receivers, three of them came from the same team. I want you to tell me what team that was when we get back right after this. All right, you are back with Mo, listening to the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. I've got the good fortune to be joined by one of my favorites, the Duke and the Boy. You can find uh, links to the Pyro Podcast and the Duke and the Boy, many other fantasy football podcasts as well. Head on over to Facebook. You can search FF Podcast Network or just put in facebook.com forward slash FF Podcast Network, a wealth of treasure there. For you, as I said before the break, kind of a tricky one. Basically, I'm going to give you the rundown. There were 10 wide receivers that had a 
70% catch rate. They had at least 50 targets. And the average depth of target came at least 10 yards downfield. Of those 10, three of them played on the same team. So tell me that team. Think about a team. And it's kind of tricky because you don't often think of this team as a passing team. But a team with guys that have really good hands and they can be a long strike, quick strike team uh, from decent yardage downfield. What say you, gentlemen? Jeez, this is a tough one, Mom. <laughs> this is a tough one. I know. I wasn't sure if I should do it, but I just like to. I'm gonna throw one out the, there. The, the stats. I'm gonna throw it out yeah. there, and it's gonna it's probably gonna be completely wrong, but it's a complete guess. I'm not looking at anything, Mo. So I just want you to know I'm pulling this completely out of thin air. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know where you would go to get this. This took me a while to figure this out. The Buffalo Bills. I'm gonna pass it over just to see if. The boy has a guess. Uh, I, I mean, the first thing I thought of, and I know it's not correct, but I, I was thinking the Jaguars, but I couldn't think of a third receiver that they would throw to. Right. Well, gentlemen, let me give you the 10. I'm going to say right now, Seattle is the team. Wow, really? Well, Russell yes. Last year so, was, my God. Right, exactly. So you've got, we're talking, again, guys that are used often, deep threat guys that have really good hands. A.J. Green, Tyler Lockett, Marvin Jones, Jermaine Curse, wow. Antonio Brown, Richard Matthews, Willie Sneed, Macklin, Julio Jones, and Doug Baldwin. So Baldwin, Lockett, and Curse all had over a 70% catch rate and had the average depth of target at least 10 yards downfield. So to me, that speaks more of either Russell Wilson or the system, but uh, certainly very surprising last year. Everybody thought, you know, Seattle as, as a run team, and they came out and really shocked a lot of people. Baldwin, but he won some people some leagues Absolutely. last year. And, bro, that's a great question. I, I give you a lot of credit for, for tracking that one down because, uh, yeah, I, I would not have thought that. Yeah, I had the abacus going with that one. I had a rope and pulley system I had to work out just to get those stats down, but uh, that was a fun one. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I do my best. Next show at 11, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We are talking mid-rounders, mid-round running backs. So these are guys you're going to be targeting if you draft wide receiver early and often. Uh, I believe we are up to round eight. Now, again, this fluctuates. Um, I, I sent these boys a link, uh, but I think the link just kind of refreshes. So I sent it to them a few days ago. I already kind of had a faux pas there with Duke Johnson uh, getting bumped up into the fifth round when I sent it. He was in the sixth round, but I digress. We're in the eighth round and we're talking running backs. So Theo Riddick, Charles Sims, TJ Yeldon, Carlos Williams, and Rashad Jennings. Which running back are you taking and why? Well, I, here's the thing, Mo. I'm a Giants fan. Okay. So mm. I, I, you know, I watch every game. I, you know, root for them, obviously. There's only one guy in that list that right now is the team's RB1, and that's Jennings. Now, I, like everybody else that's a Giants fan, has been very, uh, I guess, disappointed with the running back by committee approach. But if you look at the last four games last year, Tom Coughlin kind of loosened the reins a little bit, and they said to Rashad Jennings, okay, go out there, be our running back. Now you're looking at four games, 22 carries for 81 yards, 16 for 107, 14 for 74, and 27 for 170. Certainly great numbers. Now, 
my whole thing is we don't know what Ben McAdoo is going to do. We do know that the first crack at it is going to be Rashad Jennings. And if he performs like he did at the end of last year, I see no reason to take away the starting job. With uh, this is one of the one of the players we actually agree on. We uh, me and me and the boy don't agree on much. That's a given most of the time when we talk about fantasy football. But um, out of that list, I would say he's right as far as a, a team's RB one and all that stuff. I, I don't think he's any more than a flex play. Three touchdowns total last year on the ground. Four four point four yards per carry. He did not go over 80 yards until week 14 of last year. I repeat, he did not go over 80 rushing yards until week 14 last year, which is pathetic for any low-end RB2, let alone a high-end RB3. But as I always do, I always try to poo-poo what the boys get all excited about. I pull them down from the clouds. I got to say I'm with him on this. In this group, the mainstay here is Rashad Jennings. He's the value. First off, let me tip my proverbial hat to you, gentlemen. I like the yin and yang, and I I truly think fantasy uh, podcast listeners like hearing uh, the digression, the the back and forth, you know, from from folks. But if you're agreeing on Rashad Jennings, I got a couple of things to to bring up here. Now, one, like you say, last four weeks, uh, third best back in standard uh, did very well. The the last uh, four weeks, I think he. Uh, put up double-digit points in each of those contests in uh, standard leagues, I believe. But you said running back by committee. I dare say running back by community. They've got Rashad Jennings. They've got Andre Williams for some reason still. Uh, Shane Vereen. they got the rookie Paul Perkins. Orleans Darquois, who had a lot of hype last year. They even got Bobby Rainey, who I believe was a waiver wire fill-in for me back in Tampa a couple of years ago. So a lot of guys there. And, of course, last year was the first year since 2009, I think, when he was a rookie, that Jennings played a slate of 16 games. So That's the other issue is he's, he's injury-prone. I believe he's at 30 years old now, too, so he's, he's getting up there in age. Not that he's got a ton of wear and tear on him, but still, you know, uh, again, we're, we're, in the, we're in the eighth round here, so it's, yeah. it's, you're, you're grabbing at straws regardless. But out of all those picks, he's probably the safest, highest uh, floor guy. And, you know... Since I'm talking about Ben McAdoo, I should mention about, you know, kind of, you know, cutting some dead weight here as well. And I think that's what Andre Williams is. That's what I think Orleans Dark was going to be. It, if if I were running the Giants, which would be awesome, I would have Jennings. I would have Vereen. I would have Paul Perkins. And I would call it a day. And I would yeah. use those three. Now, what exactly they're going to do, I don't know. I do know. And... Just from speaking to people I know uh, within the Giants, Jennings is going to get the first crack because he's been there. He's done it. Uh, the waiting game a little bit with Paul Perkins. Uh, but Jennings is going to get the first crack. And out of the guys you mentioned, I'm curious to see who you're going with here in the eighth round. Well, uh, first off, let me kind of give a little bit of segue here that uh, – I want to thank you guys because uh, those of us on the FF Podcast Network uh, had a good idea. I think it was the Aussie boys, the uh, boys from Australia, had the idea that we all put out five minutes, five-minute clips from all of our podcasts. I think we had about eight or nine podcasts that did this from those of us on the FF Podcast Network. So very soon we're going to release a show, and everybody is going to release it. We're going to release a show that gives listeners a snippet of all of our uh, we decided to do breakouts 
so you're going to get to hear from Duke and the Boy. You're going to hear from Pyro and uh, many others. So I think it's going to be a really fantastic thing. And my guy that I'm going to talk about now is a guy that I'm talking about in my breakout Last year, I was wearing some uh, iHeart Justin Forsett underwear. This year, uh, I've already ordered the I Am In Love With Charles Sims underwear. He is my dog. Now, I talk about him at length probably far too much for the, the small window of time we had on this five-minute segment. Charles Sims, though, uh, last year averaged less than 10 touches a game. Uh, in fact, there were only seven games in which he saw double-digit touches. But of those seven, he had double-digit points five times. We're talking about a guy who had less than 10 touches a game and finished, finished the season, ranked 22nd in standard, 17th in PPR, 4.9 yards per carry. Now, we all saw him get it done in the passing game, but I really think he's going to take that step in the rushing game as well. And very much like a D'Angelo Williams, if the guy in front of him goes down, talking Doug Martin, if he goes down, or even if Doug Martin is just subpar, which we've seen him be in 50% of his NFL career, I think that's going to open a big window for Charles Sims. Now, I sat down and I watched all of Sims' touches on Game Pass. I'm telling you, he had numerous jaw-dropping plays. His feet were incredibly quick. The one thing I really liked is... He anticipated where a hole was going to open, and he got there. It was like his head and his feet were on a string. They hooked up immediately, and as soon as he turned his head, his feet were already going in that direction. I love me some Charles Sims. I, I'm going to join a, a fan club. I'm getting him airbrushed, the, the, his face above my bed. My wife's not too happy about it, but I'm all in on Charles Sims. I, I will say this, and some excellent stats you threw out there about Charles Sims. The one thing I will say is when I have caught Bucks games, every time he touched the ball, he flashed to me. He was a guy who I said, wow, he looks good. You know, and maybe it's because, you know, he seems to be like a, a he just seemed really fast to me on tape, to be honest with you. And uh, I like where you're going with it, because I think that's really interesting. A guy who uh, obviously not a lot of people are on to. And I appreciate that. I like you taking a shot in the dark there with Charles Sims. Oh, man. I sat down and I watched uh, several guys, several touches from last year. But like a, a Jeremy Langford, I remember maybe two plays, one of which you could have drove a truck through that hole that he scored a long touchdown. And there was another reception for Langford that I think really people remembered and it really boosted him. Other than that, Langford seemed to be just another guy to me. Whereas Sims, even on plays where he maybe got a yard or two, there was something special about a, a guy he made miss, a cut he made. He just he passes the eye test with flying colors. And that's something I think, you know, I'm no Christopher Harris, but uh, something I think we need to do more often is just sit down and watch tape. I mean, I believe me, I'm a metrics guy. I love pulling out stats and trying to find the next guy. But really watching him, I was so impressed with Charles Sims. And like I say, he, he did so well. Even having a small percentage of touches last year, I know that he's going to grow in the share of touches he gets from the team. And, just and, if something happens to Martin, or Martin isn't as good as we think, I think you could have yourself an RB1 potential. Just like okay, a uh, Johnson last Jennings. year. Or just like a uh, D'Angelo Williams. Right, and, and David Johnson, another example of uh, 
a, a, a guy who got an opportunity at the end of last year and sure took it and ran with it, no pun intended. Absolutely, absolutely. That is funny, my friend. That's funny. All right, folks, we are going into round nine. Once again, we're talking mid-round running backs, and this is the conversation I love to have because I get to hear from the Duke and the boy, and we always talk about these guys like uh, Antonio Brown and these big-time guys. We, we spend so much airtime talking about them, and you only get one crack. If you don't draft them in the first round, you're not going to get them, and yet we spend so much time talking about them. These guys... Not saying to overpay, but you can have a couple chances at these guys. So I think it's far more important to have this conversation. So let's turn to round nine and look at the running backs going there. Currently, we've got D'Angelo Williams, who I just mentioned, Arian Foster, still going there amazingly, uh, Tevin Coleman, and Isaiah Crowell. Once again, D'Angelo Williams, Arian Foster, Tevin Coleman. Isaiah Crowell, Duke and Boy, who do you like in round nine out of these cats? Well, I'm going to let Duke handle this one. Uh, I think this is a more of him not liking somebody and somebody else kind of rising up behind him. So, Duke, take it away. I, th- I, well, I think we're both in agreement on this. I, I we, we looked at this list and we're thinking, okay, you're going at, at this point in the draft, you're going with complete upside. You're going with who can change your fantasy season um, if there's an injury, if somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do. We're, we're pretty high on Tevin Coleman. Not super high to where draft him as your RB2 and, and ride him into the sunset, but the guy got 20 carries week one. He got hurt. Uh, he looked impressive week one. If he doesn't get hurt, Devonta Freeman doesn't happen last year. You can tell that they're high on him, but the, as high as they drafted him, I believe he's a third-round pick. Um, I will say that after that, he looked like he lost a lot of confidence when Devonta Freeman started taking off. Week 12, he showed again what he could do. 18 carries, 110 yards, over six yards a carry. He's, I think he's electric in open space. Granted, I think he had some big holes to run through when he did get these big gains. But the sky's the limit. I'm not sold on Devonta Freeman. I know the boy doesn't like Devonta Freeman this year either. I think, I think a lot of people expect Freeman to fall off. I don't know where you stand on it, Mo, but if you're looking for a lottery ticket, there's few better than Tevin Coleman from at least where we're sitting. Yeah, and we're talking ninth round. And now Freeman, I think he's going to get overdrafted. I think he is being overdrafted. Um, r- real interesting uh, with Freeman. Uh, I saw from what is his name? I'm looking right now. Uncle Odds on Twitter. He, he's a good follow. Um, on Twitter, he is at Roto Uncle. Odds. He had a really cool graph showing Devonta Freeman weeks seven and on. Uh, it, it does bet much better in a pie chart and, and a graph that he had. Uh, but week seven and on, he only had six double-digit fantasy performances, and they were mediocre at best. 15, 16 points was the highest. So he made all of his fantasy hay in the first six weeks. And then after that, he was really kind of a letdown. I don't think he's going to be able to um, duplicate what he did last year. Speaking of Devonta Freeman. And like you say, Tevin Coleman, we're talking ninth round. And this is a guy that the coaching staff invested in. The current coaching staff, they drafted him. Whereas a Freeman was a guy that they inherited. So I know the coaching staff is going to try to give him more touches. I think it's going to be more of a committee than many people expect with Coleman and Freeman. Um, so I just think Freeman is being severely overdrafted. I don't think he can duplicate what he did last year by any Now, Mo, I got a quick little quiz, quiz question for you, if you don't mind. Bring the ruckus, in, my brother. Uh, me and the boys' home league, 
it's it's a long-standing league, over 15 years, going strong. I made a big trade last year. Uh, I acquired Devonta Freeman. I'm going to let you guess the week I de- acquired Devonta Freeman. Well, if it was good, I'm going to say you got him week after week two. Let's, let's assume it wasn't good. <laughs> okay, so then week seven? Uh, that's very good. I, I got him right after week six. So I don't know right, if right, I right. was the cause of the Devonta Freeman crumble or if he just really is that bad and he was just waiting for me to overpay for him. But I did it. I believe I gave up. Did I give up Todd Gurley on that trade? I think I gave up Todd oh. Gurley on that trade, um, who hadn't done much uh, up until that point. I thought he was kind of a flash in the pan the first one or two games that he played. Uh, but I got burned pretty big by Devonta Freeman, so he is dead to me. Well, if you listen to our show last year, the Duke never really caught on with the Devontae Freeman love. But uh, look, I, I, I think just the fact that up until Tevin Coleman got hurt week two last year, he was the starter in Atlanta. Freeman yep. came up and obviously played great for a, a, a you know a long stretch there. But the Falcons know what Freeman is. They know what they drafted Coleman for. I do think there's going to be more of a committee there. Uh Obviously, you start to worry when somebody has more fumbles on the year than receptions, like Tevin Coleman did. However, I think it's more of a committee. I think Tevin Coleman gets involved with the offense. And uh, like Duke said, if Devontae Freeman were to go down and Coleman was a legit number one back there, uh, you know, you're looking at pretty high ceiling, I feel. So, so Duke, being that we are um humans and learning from all that life has to offer did you take away a lesson there like uh or are you just bitter and you get into your shower and cry from time to time uh well this is this is kind of the norm uh for me every year i make about one or two terrible terrible trades if anybody's in a league with duke they know one thing his roster is continuously fluid. There is, <laughs> there is no two weeks where he has the same roster. There is, is nobody that's untouchable on it, my team. It's incredible, and uh, a lot of moves he makes are good. A awful lot are bad. There, there's a few, there's a few doozies. That was one of my worst. Um, I think, and I know people always get pissed off when you when you talk about running back size and whether or not they can hold up. He's a small guy. Very few small running backs have proven to be. Yeah long-time RB1s in the NFL. I can think of one or two off the top of my head. D'Angelo, the, same size as Freeman. I don't care. <laughs> D'Angelo was pretty bad for the first couple of years of his career. He had some great years. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm done with Devonta Freeman. He, Like I said, he's dead to me. He may as well not even be playing in the NFL at this point. I'll take... Uh, where's... um? Oh, God. Who's TJ, uh, TJ Duckett. Where's TJ Duckett <laughs> when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> I miss TJ Duckett and Mo. I hated TJ Duckett with a passion, with a passion. But bring him back. He was a Michigan Stater, if he I was. believe, if I'm, if I'm correct. There, Michigan State, just uh, just down the road from where I'm podcasting right now. Yeah, maybe he's in the area. Call him up. <laughs> he could be selling cars uh, in East Lansing somewhere right as we speak. Now, you brought up D'Angelo Williams, and that happens to be my. Ninth round guy, very much like a Charles Sims in that if the guy in front of him goes down, you've got an RB1. We saw it last year. Lev Bell. This injury is a bit concerning. I talked to Will Carroll. He's the injury expert. He's a great follow on Twitter. He uh, does injury analysis for FanDuel. He was, uh, out of all the guys that got injured last year, he was most concerned with Lev Bell uh, being able to start the season. Now, 
I, I, I don't know how far Love Bell into his recovery or where he stands at this day, other than those that know more than me were concerned, and this was just about a month and a half ago. Now, being that we saw D'Angelo far outperform his abilities or his believed abilities last year, I think he has earned himself. He's demanded some more snaps this year, especially with Lev Bell's uh, maybe getting back into it gingerly with his injury. I don't think they're going to throw Levy and Bell right back into the fire. I think D'Angelo is going to get more snaps on a per-game basis. I think it's going to be a bit more of a committee. And Lord knows we saw what he did on his own, right? 50% of his 16 games, he was an RB1. Uh, and that's with Levy and Bell playing six games. Uh, again, D'Angelo, he finished as the sixth best in PPR, fourth in standard, in, in the red zone, he was fourth with uh, red zone attempts. All 11 of his rushing TDs came down in the red zone. And I think this offense is going to be there often. 2015, they ranked third in yards per game. They were tied for fourth in points per game. So I just think ninth round, why not? Even if I've got Lev Bell or not, I would be looking at D'Angelo Williams. I really like this guy. Do you think uh, he was sort of a flash in the pan, or do you think uh, he can duplicate, to some extent, what we saw him do did last year? I, I certainly think he could duplicate the success if 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 Le'Veon Bell went down again. Uh, you know, I, again, last year, me and Duke got into a uh, a big feud. Basically, he did not believe in D'Angelo Williams. I did, and he look every week, like you said, he went out there and he proved himself again and again. And this is a, a, a guy who, you know, I see no reason on what I would consider a great offensive team uh, to see any letdown of that uh, if Le'Veon Bell were to go down. And like you said, even if Le'Veon Bell is healthy, uh, I do think that D'Angelo Williams gets opportunity there. So, uh, no, I, I tend to agree with you there. Uh, D'Angelo Williams certainly opened a lot of eyes last year, and uh, I could see him doing it again. All right. Pyromaniacs, I've got uh, Duke and Boy. You follow him on Twitter at Duke and Boy. That's D U K E A N D B O Y. And gentlemen, I've got another another trivia question for you. And then we're gonna pause for a commercial break. In the past two seasons, which NFL quarterback has the most red zone attempts? So past two seasons, which NFL quarterback has the most red zone attempts? Folks at home, think about that while you listen to this. Stay with us. Welcome back, Pyromaniacs. Remember, guys, head on over to pyromaniac.com. There you can find information about becoming a Pyro Pro member. Everything you need to win your season, you can track and enter up to 100 players. Uh, you get any and all questions answered, news feeds, rankings, write-ups, advanced metrics, and more. Information about becoming a Pyro Pro is available at pyromaniac.com. Now, as stated, I'm here talking mid-round running backs with the Duke and the Boy, stars of Duke and Boy Fantasy Podcast. Just one of the fantastic podcasts available on Facebook forward slash FF Podcast Network. All right, gang, we pause for commercial with the, the third of the trivia questions for the trip to Duluth, Minnesota. In the past two seasons, which NFL quarterback has the most red zone passing attempts? What do you think, gentlemen? 
Hmm. I'm going to get, uh, I got two names sticking out right now. Uh, just two teams that have been a uh, pretty good offensively. I would say either Aaron Rodgers in green Bay or my own Eli Manning in New York. I'm going to guess Pittsburgh. Wow. Uh, you guys are, are doing pretty well. Uh, I wrote down the top three names because generally from year to year, you, you get a pretty major change. For example, last year, Blake Bortles uh, was right there with Aaron Rodgers. There is no way Bortles is going to be there next year, if you ask me. So a lot of times you're going to get changed from year to year. But looking for consistency, I think, can help you in fantasy. Number one in the past two years was Aaron Rodgers. 208 red zone attempts. Number two, Eli Manning. 188. Uh, and that's got to be good for you guys, right? Under the Ben McAdoo well, system. You know, that's why I thought Eli, because uh, it, I know people don't really realize it, but Eli has become a QB one under Ben McAdoo, and these past two seasons have been—I uh, don't think it's even debatable—Eli's two best offensive seasons. Most efficient. He's been incredibly accurate, and we talked about the running back game or committee community perhaps there and that's one of the reasons I like him because there might be a lack of running back at least all season long and I think he's gonna pass it once he gets down there I, I love me some Eli as a late round quarterback I think I got him I don't know right around nine quarterback nine quarterback ten yeah, something like that right around but, uh, where I, I I think he should be taken I definitely think he's a QB one and not always taken there which is uh, a little shocking and of course I should mention Aaron Rodgers in my estimation the best quarterback in the league and maybe the best quarterback I've ever seen play. Uh, we, Stop. We, we've gotten to that argument Stop. before. So uh, not a surprise that Aaron Rodgers would uh, have plenty of red zone opportunities as well. And I will say Tom Brady was number three, 181. And with uh, Pittsburgh, I looked it up as quarterback. So I'm sure Pittsburgh is theirs. They are always right up there in points scored. But of course, if you were a um, Ben Acostas Furberger owner last year, you know he missed some games. Uh, so I'm not sure where he fell, but he didn't play a full slate last year. awful guess by the Duke. <laughs> I, I like the Pittsburgh guess, but since I looked it up uh, based on a player, Roethlisberger was a bit nicked yeah. up. All right, guys, round 10. Again, we're talking mid-round running backs. So let me give you the rundown of the guys that are going to be available to you round 10. As of right now, not too many, honestly, and I'll even throw in uh, maybe a little bit into round 11 just to give you a window but round 10, we've got Charkandrick West, Derek Henry, and Bilal Powell. That's it for round 10. Uh, going into round 11, you've got C.J. Proceis and, and Blunt. But, uh, so really we're talking Charkandrick West, Derek Henry, Bilal Powell. Which of those three are you taking for a, a late round running back in round well, 10? Well, I think the guy I'm taking, and I, I know Duke had plenty to say about DeMarco Murray, but the fact of the matter is the Titans went out and they drafted Derek Henry. And uh, you, you can't just, you know... You can't just say that was for no reason. I mean, it looks like they plan on using him at least to some capacity. And, of course, with Murray being uh, an injury risk, which, you know, he's been basically his whole career, you know, there I think there is opportunity for Derrick Henry to get uh, some action. Duke, what say you? Now, we, we talked about DeMarco Murray, and obviously my, my love for DeMarco Murray has shown through. But before his breakout in Dallas, when he led the league in rushing and was the number one running back in fantasy – he was a fragile player, so I don't necessarily, I don't have the confidence in the world that he's going to stay healthy all year. It's one of those things, it's tenuous, where if he gets hurt, 
Derrick Henry could come in and step right in and be the guy. I don't think it's going to happen as long as Murray stays healthy and on the field. But all he needs is one injury, one one missed game, and all of a sudden he gets um, Devonta Freeman, if you know what I mean. And we're looking at a different backfield here. It's an, it's, it's kind of very similar to Tevin Coleman. You know, I mean, you're picking him up. He's an insurance. He's a lottery ticket. But it's one that you should make that late in drafts. So, Duke, let me ask you this then. Um, you brought up Murray earlier. Murray was fifth round. We're talking Henry, 10th round. Value-wise, which guy would you rather have? The value of Henry in the 10th or just going with DeMarco Murray? No, in the I'd fifth? go DeMarco Murray in the 5th. I mean, well, I don't like to play fantasy football expecting injury. So I'm a, I assume that every yeah. player is going to play all 16 games because injuries are like touchdowns. You can't predict them. So if I'm assuming that DeMarco Murray is going to be the guy in Tennessee for this year, then I'm assuming that he's going to be the guy and Derrick Henry's going to have minimal consistent fantasy value on a week-to-week basis. So I like DeMarco Murray. I'd take him over Derrick Henry regardless of draft position. Now, if you have uh, DeMarco Murray, I would definitely want to grab Derrick Henry at the later stages of the draft in the 10th round like we're talking about just to cover yourself. But I'm, I'm my feet are stuck in cement on this. I, I love DeMarco Murray this year. See, now, I'm not a big handcuff guy. There are a few that I would, and I certainly think uh, – I don't even think Sims is a handcuff. I think he has value in his own right. But I would certainly own both Tampa running backs. Um, I would certainly own both Pittsburgh backs. Uh, I, I like a second guy that you can plug in if guy number one goes down and you, you're not going to miss a beat. Are you a, a handcuff guy? I mean, do you find yourself – handcuffing often are you at least grabbing a backup every team that you draft or does it just depend from i think it depends on the situation like we said demarco murray's an injury prone player he has been his whole career Mm -hmm. i mean those guys you're going to think about doing it more than adrian peterson or even Le'Veon bell who's been injured the last one one or two years but still i wouldn't be crazy to go get d'angelo williams just to back up Le'Veon bell i have confidence that Le'Veon bell can finish a season in a normal season but certain instances like this, I think you have to kind of cover your back end on this because he's a fifth-round pick. You know, if, if, you're, if you're planning on him being your RB2, you got to have some sort of insurance plan with it. Well, now, I'll just jump in here. I'm not a handcuff guy. If I'm drafting a guy, like Duke said, if I'm drafting a guy, I'm assuming he's healthy for 16 games. And the waiver wire has been so rich with running back depth at, at least the past few years. I mean, even if you look last year, Devontae Freeman was most likely a waiver wire pickup. Uh, David Johnson as well. Uh, Sharkhandrick West, uh, another guy who I had to pick up last year when Jamal Charles went down. It's just one of those uh, things. you got to be active on the waiver wire because even the guys who you think are the handcuffs aren't always the handcuffs. So it, yeah. it's definitely a, a tough situation. Who are you looking at here in the 10th? Well, in the 10th round, and uh, I, I will say, I just talked to Sigmund Bloom just a tail off what we were just talking about, and I brought up um, not liking handcuffs, but liking a Sims with a Doug Martin and liking a D'Angelo Williams with a Lev Bell. You brought up AP. Uh, Sigmund brought, brought up McKinnon as being a guy that he would handcuff with Adrian. So just some food for thought there. Now, round 10 I had a tough time with this. Not a bunch of names really jumped off the page, but I'm going with Charkandrick West. Now, everybody talks Charkandrick and Spencer. They're, they're getting paid the same amount. You've got a guy in front of them who has had two major surgeries now. 
Uh, I know the last time he had this surgery was on the other leg, and he came back and had a phenomenal next season, but I don't think that's the norm. I don't think that is – I'm not counting on that to happen again for Jamal Charles. So looking at the two, and you know this is a run-heavy offense, looking at Charkandrick West and Spencer Ware. West had played 15 games, Ware only 11. Charkandrick West had 100 and I'm sorry, 848 yards from scrimmage, whereas Ware just had 408. So West outed him by about 20 yards per game. West had 20 receptions for 214 yards. Ware had six receptions for five. West had 25 red zone attempts, and Ware had 16. Both of them had five, six touchdowns. So really, I think the difference is Charkandrick West, he, he gets it done receiving, and he gets it done. They give him more attempts in the red zone. Uh, that's where I think West is your man. And he, again, Jamal Charles, there, there's another guy I would be looking to handcuff, although I say I'm not a big handcuffer. I would look to handcuff that just because the Andy Reid offense, you know they love to run, and Jamal Charles, he's getting up there, and that injury is not easy to come back from, especially now this is his second one. So I like I like West. Which two uh, or which of the two do you guys like in Kansas City to back up? Well, I, Jamal? I like West, and like I said last year, uh, I drafted Jamal Charles in the first, ended up having to uh, pick up Charkandrick West uh, when Jamal Charles went down. And to be honest with you, there wasn't much of a drop off from Jamal Charles to West. And uh, I know a lot of that's the Andy Reid offense, but uh, he did a hell of a job. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, Ware might get more work around the goal line, but if Jamal Charles were to go down, I, I think West is definitely the guy. Yeah, and like like normal, like the Duke and Boys show, as we always do, I completely disagree with you. I think Spencer <laughs> Ware is the guy. I think he looked much better when, it, when they're playing on the field. I think he had less opportunities. He made more of them. He's better at the goal line. I think he's a better player overall. I don't trust Jamal Charles. I hate Jamal Charles, as you know. Oh Not a big Jamal Charles guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're picking straws, I would pick Spencer Ware in a heartbeat. This is, and by the way, who I'm, traded last year? He traded away now, Ryan. Now, now give 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 some <laughs> info into this before we get. It's a dynasty I, league. He traded away Ryan Matthews for Spencer season, Ware. Mid season, who was in a timeshare with Demarco Murray, who never got traded before this. He was hardly playing. So and this is when Jamal Charles was hurt and Spencer Ware was scoring touchdowns. Do you regret there. it, Duke? Do you regret it? In hindsight, I'm not proud of it. Okay, there we go. See, I think this is healthy, Duke. You can exercise uh, some of these demons from seasons past. This is a good thing. This is healthy. We're, we're healing, oh, folks. <laughs> this hurts. It doesn't feel like healing. Now, it hurts. In the long run, you got to look long run, brother. It, it's good for the soul. You can't bottle up these things. I, I know from which I speak. Now, gentlemen. Uh, I end the show basically the same way. It's a uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, there's the famous blues song, one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. I ask for one bounce back, one sleeper, one bust. So what say you? Uh, the bounce back uh, where I, I think you know that the Duke is going to Marco Murray, but I'd like to bring a guy that uh, obviously since we're talking about running backs, we haven't talked about, uh, and that's at the quarterback position. Currently going at quarterback 19 is Matthew Stafford. Uh, if you listen to Duke and Boy Show, you know I'm very high on Stafford this year. couple of reasons. Number one, second half of last year, they changed offensive coordinators to Jim Bob Cooter. Love saying it. Stafford, yeah, second half of last year, threw 19 touchdowns to just two interceptions. The most, uh, kind of the best he's looked 
in his entire career. Now, people say he's losing Calvin Johnson. Of course he is. But I think a lot of times Stafford was forced to force the ball to Calvin. And I think not having that kind of hanging over him where he's able to spread it to Marvin Jones and spread it to Golden Tate, Eric Ebron and Abdullah and Riddick, I think he's got weapons there. I don't think they're going to be a very good team. So I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him to throw. I think Matthew Stafford has a big, big season in Detroit. I like the Stafford call, but not just because I'm a Motown man. But uh, like you say, when Jim Bob Cooter took over, I believe that was the Kansas City game, uh, week eight. Stafford, since week eight and on, Stafford was your 10th best uh, fantasy. And now that Calvin is gone, I think he's just going to distribute even more. And I like him a lot for, for a late round guy, uh, late round sleeper. Uh, any, other, any other names you want to toss out there? Well, I, I, I'm on the same page with him as far as Stafford goes. I'm a big Golden Tate guy this year. Um, I think Golden Tate could be a, a low-end wide receiver one because of Matthew Stafford. So, I mean, as far as that goes, I don't think the boy's that high on Golden Tate. I'm a Marvin Jones guy. He's a Marvin Jones guy, of course. Mm. Of course he is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think Golden Tate is hes a sneaky value right now. I think he's going to step in and be the guy in Detroit. All right, interesting. Tim Twentyman, uh, he, he works for the Lions, used to be a great beat writer uh, in Detroit. He just said that although he thinks Golden Tate is going to lead – Detroit in receptions and targets. He thinks Jones is going to be right there with him. Could be a sneaky uh, number two, uh, wide receiver number two on the offense. Could be a sneaky guy, um, probably outperforming what many expect and probably getting more production, getting more looks than many many expect. And that is well, Marvin me and Duke, Jones. We actually have a $10 bet. I know we're, we're really throwing down the cash this year. Uh, I'm picking Jones. He's picking Tate for the best overall season uh, I believe that's in standard scoring. No, no, it's PPR. Okay, well, either one, I th- I think Jones is the guy, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad Tim Twentyman agrees with me a little bit. Yeah, it was a lot closer than I thought. It's making me pay attention to a bit more to Jones. I, I, I'm i a Notre Dame fan. I love Golden Tate. You remember, I think it was just two seasons ago, he led all uh, receivers in yards after mm-hmm. contact. Um, I think he's going to do that again this year. But uh, it's an, one reason I really love Stafford. I think he's going to spread it around. I think we're going to see an emergence from Ebron. Although I, I think it's going to be closer than folks think, I'm going to still take my Notre Dame boy Golden Tate. Uh, Fair enough. On this I one. think what we can all agree on is that the fact that we're arguing over Golden Tate or Marvin Jones means Stafford's <laughs> It's another reason I love this fantasy game. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Pyro Light Podcast, and I've had the good fortune to talk to Duke and the boy. They are at Duke and Boy on Twitter. Of course, they're contributors to fakepigskin.com and they run dukeandboy.com. They're the voices behind the Duke and Boy fantasy football show. And of course, check out our new Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash FF Podcast Network. You can see their show and a, a plethora of good ones. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me this evening. This has oh, been no fun. No problem, Mo. We really appreciate you taking the time to have us on. And uh, like you mentioned, this show. Uh, earlier where we're going to have, I believe it's eight different podcasts rolled into one. Uh, That's something that uh, fans of both our shows have to look forward to. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Uh, A little taste, a five-minute taste of uh, many different podcasts out there. And uh, thank you guys. You you guys are really getting it done, stringing it all together. So uh, thank you for for doing the work and helping us all out Not a problem, man. Appreciate you taking the time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. I, of course, am your host. Pyromaniac Mo, and as always, we will catch you on the flip side. Hey.